0: Hello, 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 my lovely parent friends, and apparently we are still friends on on episode 66 of the Teen and Tween Parenting Podcast, aka Figuring Shit Out, with me, Dr. Nikki Nerida, and I am your cruise director in this journey we call parent and parent-tweening, and I am back in Nome from a small fishing village called Shishmaref on the Bering Strait, that I go to every other month for a week. And it is pretty interesting being there because the people who live there, as you know, and as you've listened to this podcast before, are people that have been living in this particular region for the last 10,000 years, like native Alaskans that basically subsistence hunt and gather. They're hunting mostly Seals, walruses, fish, moose, caribou, muskox, stuff like that. And it's kind of fascinating for me, a vegan from New York City, to go there and to hang out with people who have been doing this, like I said, for the last 10,000 years, who have been surviving doing that, and not only surviving, but also have it be the food that's right for their body and their body type and everything that's going on with them. And probably the food that keeps them the healthiest as opposed to whatever's brought in or shipped in from the mainland, the mainland being Alaska. So Anchorage to Nome, Nome to Shishmaref, which is the name of the village. And by the way, if you want to look up Shishmaref, it's a poster child for beach erosion and villages that are sinking into the ocean and they're looking to relocate at some point but nobody really wants to leave. They build, they they built a pretty good seawall that actually fared a recent storm and that storm was pretty incredible which happened last week but uh, they did well and I was really happy for it. I, part of it was you have to watch the wind and how the wind hits the ocean and whether it creates big waves or not. But somehow the wind was not coming straight in from the ocean to the village Shishmaref and also to Nome, but probably coming at an angle. And so it didn't wipe out the village like it had caused some problems in some other villages, uh, as well as Nome. Nome, the whole front part of Nome closest to the beach was ripped up and being repaired. But other than that, we fared really well too, which is pretty great. So they, like I said, are hunters and gatherers. And I had to think about me as an ethical vegan. And when I say an ethical vegan, it's not because I think everything that happens is ethical. I'm not sure about where everything that I buy is made and whether they use child labor or not and what parts they're using and where they come from or where the food is somehow obtained from and so on. But I just kind of do the best that I can. And I, th- I think that that's all any of us can do. And I think that's part of the reason why we don't do anything is because our little kind of perfectionist ideas about things or the idea that if we are going to do something, we have to do it a hundred percent of the time and exactly right. Or somehow we're a bunch of frauds, not really doing something well, but only doing it half-assed, which I think is fine. I think a half-assed something is better than a no-ass something. But so basically I'm, I'm as anti-exploitation as I could possibly be, meaning that I am thinking about oppression and exploitation of marginalized groups. And right now I'm working with native Alaskans. I'm thinking about it in terms of exploitation of land and resource and also exploitation of animals and other beings that inhabit this planet with us. And I think because we do have a frontal cortex and we do get to decide things and make decisions in the future that our responsibility is not necessarily to lord over these creatures and take at will of the land or of other beings or of other humans that might not have the the capability that we have, but rather to think about them well and make decisions for the betterment of the world pretty much. And I think that we, we can do that. And so in the lower 48, as we call it, um, I am an ethical, I'm going to call it an anti-exploitation vegan, meaning that I, I just don't eat anything that comes from an animal. And I also try to source whatever food i'm sourcing as ethically as i possibly can as well as the things that i buy but again not a hundred percent i'm not perfect you can give me a million ways in which i'm not thinking well and i also live a middle-class life in the middle of capitalism and i like it i like my first class ticket coming here Now, just so you know, my first class ticket is not because I have paid for a first class ticket. It's because I come here so often back and forth that I've accumulated miles, but because I've accumulated miles, I am MVP gold on Alaska air and I generally get bumped up to first class, but when I'm there, I like it and I don't question the fact that I'm eating food and everybody else from rows six and beyond are not, and that I'm getting special treatment and I do like that. So I enjoy the benefits of of my privilege within this capitalism and I'm accepting them. But again, we get to make whatever decisions that we make based on us doing the best that we can. And they could be anything. So there's no judgment and no shade on my part. But when I go to Shishmaref, because my patients are fairly thoughtful of the land, thoughtful of the animals that they hunt, thoughtful about how they use the land in order to gather, the way in which they use the animals in order to feed themselves, how they thank the animals, where they're using every part of it. I decided that if somebody offered me something that they hunted and killed and they looked at it in the eye and butchered it themselves, then I would eat it. And so I actually ate some moose. So I I haven't eaten meat in five years. Yeah, it's been about five years, but somebody made a slow cooked moose roast and offered it to me and I ate it. And somebody said it tasted gamey, but I don't know what gamey means. Like if somebody says something is gamey, what does that mean? And it'd be great if you guys could somehow write me or text me or put on the Facebook group, what you think gamey means, like, does that mean kind of ropey I mean, there was no fat on this thing now, definitely slow roasting. Something probably takes away most of the fat, but this was kind of like, A piece of mushy rope (laughs) that I ate, and it was fine, but I wasn't sitting around going, Oh my God, I miss meat so much, like ready to eat more meat, which is really fascinating because I think people are worried about giving up something that they don't believe that they could live without. But we can kind of live without anything. Like I think about urges and stuff like that. And I spent a lot of this week thinking about how. People will handle and allow urges because, you know, within these communities and within GNOME, there's a lot of addiction issue. There's a lot of mental health issues. People are drinking and smoking, really trying to feel nothing. And that's usually, for me, a symptom of how intense the oppression is. Whenever there's a community of people that are known for something that is not to the benefit of this group. Like a lot of people talk about the native Alaskans in Nome having lots of drinking problems or having lots of issues related to domestic violence or so on. It is never because the people are bad. People are born good, cooperative, zestful, wanting to connect wanting to be members of a community, knowing that being members of the community actually will probably save their lives. And if you're ousted from that community, you probably might not fare well. You might not get an opportunity to live or you're out there alone with the bears trying to fight for yourself and gather food for yourself and build shelter for yourself, whatever it is. So my belief is that most people given some traumatic brain injury, actually want to figure out how to be as good as they can be. And then crap happens. But the oppression that happened to native Alaskans, and it's a fairly new one, meaning over the last couple of hundred years, you know, where they've come in, you know, I always say that the missionaries somehow are, you know, looking to convert people to a specific way of living, generally through the church. And then also Western ideals and cultures really bashing out whatever native culture was dominant at the time that the hurt is so intense, the intergenerational and prior generational trauma that ended up happening for these people where a culture has been snuffed out with nothing to replace it that makes any sense in terms of the good of the people, then really we're just looking to feel nothing. And when you find that one thing that finally makes you feel okay, that finally feels like it makes sense in the world where you can relax for one second from your worries and concerns about the world around you and where you feel like you don't belong and that you are completely alone with it, then you keep doing it and you do it because that's the way you can stand an intolerable situation. And so my thought is that if people actually can work on their feelings and allow their feelings to happen and know that a feeling is a vibration in your body and that you have the ballast and the ability to actually take care of it and think about it and work on it and allow it to flow through you without you dying. Mm -hmm. Then there's a possibility that you might be able to allow an urge to happen too. So an urge in my book is a feeling and A feeling is something that we can handle. And so when people allow the urges, as opposed to like white knuckling against it, and I know I've spoken about this before, but I really think you can never speak about this enough because we're not taught to learn how to allow for our urges. We're taught to respond to it, we're taught to, you know, kind of grit our teeth and bear it. I mean, really that internal tension will make you want to go for whatever it is that's making you feel better even more because you're feeling so crappy. But when you can allow an urge to happen, feel what it feels like as you go through it, feel what it would feel like to actually have that drink in your body. Envision what it would be like coursing through your veins, allowing the feeling to talk to you and tell you what it would say. And then even allowing the feeling and the urge to go into the next day. What would happen the next day after you have that drink? What feelings will you feel then? What feelings will your body have? What will you have to endure with the day that you need to somehow get through tomorrow? How will people have perceived you? How were your relationships with them or not? When you can see that fully and really allow for all the experience of it, And then not answer it meaning not take that drink every time you do that you ingrain a groove in your abilities to allow for urges that will just get stronger and stronger so really any behavior that you want to change or anything that you want to change is something that you have practiced so fully that it becomes the part of your brain that you don't have to think about very much. And that's really exciting because all the other things you have practiced that fully, you have practiced answering your urges and you felt better for a moment. It is a well-practiced belief, habit, idea. And so what we need to do is practice it again, but practice it in a different way. And you talk about practicing things. People talk about becoming proficient in something it taking 10,000 hours to become a master of different musical instruments, whatever it is, but you get to practice something else. And also it's not the practice of perfection. Every time you are able to do that, your life is altered. And when you can't, then you get to go back to the time when you could and remember it and be compassionate with yourself and not beat yourself up and not think that you've gone to square zero because you are still a person who has forever, at least once allowed for an urge that they didn't answer. All right, that is my little rant about urges because I was talking about that so much. I think this is the key to the castle. I'm writing an article for an Alaskan medical newspaper about weight, and I didn't want to talk about diet and nutrition because, first of all, us doctors are really crappy at that. We have like one nutrition cor- course; it's like the nutrition of renal dialysis patients or something like that. You know how to give, you know, parent- parenteral nutrition and enteral nutrition, meaning like with a tube and stuff like that. Really, nothing. Absolutely nothing about nutrition and how people should eat in order to be healthy. And then it gets really confusing, especially in my villages and Nome because people don't have easy access to food. It's a a food desert. There's scarcity there, although not complete scarcity because really people can live off the land and where else can you get an opportunity to live off the land? I mean, I think about our lives in the lower 48. It's not like people are going hunting for things that are gonna keep them in food for a whole winter. Not like people are going moose hunting and then butchering the moose and then keeping all the moose meat, or fishing enough to actually have enough, or or hunting for seals and keeping the the fat in order to to preserve whatever you're preserving in seal oil, like you know the greens that come from the tundra. I mean, really, we don't have that opportunity to just have the land giveth to us. I like the way I added the f. You know, all of a sudden it became very biblical. We've been giveth something. So, so that opportunity is there, but, but really most of what I wrote about was our ability to actually not answer urges, but also not resist or react or go and do something else. Like I I found that people who are smoking cigarettes and are trying to quit end up gaining a lot of weight. And the reason why they're gaining weight is because they're actually replacing one urge for the next. But they're not necessarily somebody who can handle an urge or allow for an urge. And I think that if we become people who allow for urges in ways that we don't respond or react to them, then we're really people who can do anything at all. That it's not our amygdala, the back part of our brain, our prehistoric part of our brain that's actually calling the shots, that we have no ability to control anything. It's our prefrontal cortex, the ones that separate us from other sentient beings the ones that get us to plan things, the ones that allow us to make decisions for our future. I don't know any other animals that make decisions for for their future. What they're doing is just making decisions for their moment. And even though we are mammals and we do have instincts that keep us surviving, we've been given this opportunity to figure out something different. And that's why the world evolved. That's why we're in a place where I can travel from place to place easily and quickly. That's why I have a computer so I can get this podcast to you. It's because we have evolved in a very particular way that it moves something forward. So let us evolve. And really the best way to evolve is to be able to allow for these urges and to make decisions. Wow. Making decisions. I had a whole podcast on making decisions too, too, too much fun. Ah, well, I kind of went on a rant that lasted for a little while, but again, you know, let's think about these urges for a moment because I want to give you some practical ideas about thinking about it. You know, is that think about an urge as a feeling we've spoken about feelings before. Remember that an urge really is a sensation in our body, a thought loop that is going on that is causing whatever the urge is. So maybe the thought is I really want that, or I deserve that, or I've had a hard day or whatever it is that makes you grab the thing that you grab without thinking too much that has not been beneficial to you, that gives you a result you do not want for the future. And then allow for that urge as you would allow for any feeling, feel it in your body, notice its color, see how big it is, sit with it, in a way that we normally do not sit with these urges. Feel it fully, let it talk to you and then bring that urge all the way out to the other side. Think about what would happen tomorrow. Think about your relationships and how you'll talk to people or not. Think about what you would feel a year down the road visualize your future self. Now, definitely with some urges, I'm visualizing a future self. That's very, very close, meaning like tomorrow. So somebody offered me a drink the other day. Actually, I went and played poker and I don't drink, but I love playing poker. It's kind of the only time that I get to sit by my parents because my parents are also poker players, meaning that a poker game in a tournament can take two or three hours. And so I could sit by my dad, who's a fairly quiet guy, and just play poker with him for two or three hours and feel extremely connected without having to say a word. So that's part of what I love about poker. But I actually won this tournament, which is pretty awesome. And there are generally not very many women in the tournament in this particular one. And there were 26 people, maybe there were four women, I was the second to last woman at the final table. And then I finally did win the tournament and I chopped with somebody, but, um, somebody had offered me a drink and it's interesting to walk into a bar and not drink. And I kind of love that about myself because I can walk into a bar or a party and I absolutely know how I'm going to act. I remember everything. Of course, I never say things that I don't mean to say without my mind's consent and um and it's usually a really great experience for me i always feel good and i wake up the next day and i feel great so somebody offered me a drink and i said no i don't drink and they were wondering why now some people who say that they don't drink usually have a reason sometimes the reason is that you have a prior problem with alcohol and now you're not drinking sometimes some people think that you think you're better than somebody else because you're not drinking. Most people are a little suspicious of somebody who doesn't drink. It almost makes them feel bad that they're drinking. And in some ways they know they shouldn't be, or maybe they don't want to be like some little voice in the background, making them feel a tiny bit guilty. So I think when I say no to a drink, I do not meaning to make somebody feel guilty because I'm not doing it because of them. I have no judgment on people who are drinking really. But they said, why don't I drink? And I said, because my tomorrow self would be so pissed at me. I'm playing poker on a Thursday night. I have to wake up for work on a Friday and I need to be really alert. I'm taking care of people all day long. I need to come up with good ideas. I need to be flexible in my thinking. And I can't do that if I wake up feeling crappy you know, or if I have a fitful sleep, which I don't sleep very well anyway, but that's a a different story for another day that, that that I have no ability to know what's going to happen for me the next day. And so I say my tomorrow self would be really, really upset at me. And I have to be respectful of it. And I'm also thinking about my next year self and my five year from now self. And that's probably what makes me continue to eat as healthy as I possibly can. It's that I still want to be soon to be a 59 year old that is able to do a lot of stuff. You know, that's pretty flexible. That's able to walk a couple of miles without thinking about it. That has good joints. Now, I, I can't guarantee that I will, but I know that I'm going to continue to try. And so I am thoughtful of my tomorrow self and my one year from now self, and my five years from now self. And I think thinking about that future self actually helps you to keep what your goal is, because it's not so for the moment that you don't need to satisfy that urge for the moment. So allow that feeling, think about your future self and what your goals are, decide what you're compelling. Why is that you want to actually not answer that urge, but allow for it. And when you can, put a marble in a a glass, write something down for yourself, whatever it is, keep track of it. Because I want you to go back and praise yourself for those places where you've done something, done something that didn't feel easy, done something that you hadn't done before, done something that will help you get to whatever your goal is and the result that you want. And I call that an urge jar or an urge notebook or whatever it is. But once you can get to a a hundred urges, and that doesn't mean they have to be in a row, then you can kind of assume that you always have the ability to not necessarily respond or react to an urge. And then you can do anything. All right. That's what I got for you. I was going to talk about the fact that my daughter is turning 21 and that I couldn't make it to her birthday because I'm here in Nome and I have so many feelings about it. And she has so many feelings about it, but I'm going to talk about that next week because I haven't been through her birthday yet. And so I will tell you how I feel about it, missing all the festivities, feeling jealous about the fact that, you know, Ted, my husband and my son are there. And even my best friend who is her acting mom for the moment and how to deal with guilt and feeling bad and whatever else you're going through related to disappointing yourself, disappointing your family, disappointing your teenagers. All right. That's what I got for you. I love you. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, if you want to know more, just email me at Nikki at dr. That's N I K K I at D R N I K K I N E R E T I N.com and sign up for my newsletter because I give the most wonderful, quick snack size bits, I'm like photons of joy for you to really get through this life in the most joyous, wonderful way possible. That doesn't mean you won't have a human experience, but your human experience will actually be something that you look forward to as opposed to something you are so worried about happening. All right. I love you guys and have a wonderful, wonderful week.